right. Um, does anyone remember what we talked about last week? Um, Jesus is a man and Jesus is a human. Yeah. Sin. Yeah. Holy Spirit. Anything specific? What did anyone get out of it? Maybe that's what I'm asking. That we can be just like Jesus? Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Anything else? Um, being born again and being filled with the Holy Spirit are two different things. Mm. Oh, yeah. I actually don't know if I've ever heard that before, so that's where I got that a bit. Yeah. It's like that one scripture we read when uh, I think Peter and John went to this town and they're like, Yes, like, have did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you when you got saved? Like, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Like, that's many people nowadays are like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I thought everything you got everything all at once, and you do have the Holy Spirit. He comes and lives in you and makes you a new person. Then the Holy Spirit comes on you in power, and it happens all over the Bible. And we'll get into that today as well. Um. Anything else? Anything else anyone want to share in this week that they got from last week that it's been on their heart or no? All right, no worries. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to do a little recap of st- stuff that we did last week for our mom, dad weren't here. And- Get who else was in here and whoever's listening can hear that too. Um, yeah, so we talked about how Jesus is a man. Jesus was a man when he was on this earth. But he was also God. Okay? We just went into the man side, but he's also he's 100% man and he's 100% God. How's that work? Well, that's what we're trying to find out. Okay? It's through scripture. We'll see it. And we'll see it very clearly today because it says... Very black and white, exactly like that. What I said: Jesus is man, Jesus is God. Um. So the reason I really wanted to, well, th- why I felt to bring this up, make it this like a topic for the Bible study, is because if Jesus was God, just God, and He came to Earth and died for us, remember, we can't follow Him. We can't do. We can't live what what He said to do. He said, "Follow me. Do what I do." It's like, how? You're God. It's impossible. We're just human beings. We're your creation, right? So that's a really big thing to go forward in our Christian walk, to know that Jesus was the example as a man. He did everything as a man. He was born from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and Mary. And he came out of Mary, and he was a man just like, just like us, a human being, born the same way. And then when he got baptized in water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then he went out in power. And then he did everything that he did. Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, all that stuff. Um, oh, then I went through a little bit about uh, sin and temptation, how they're different. Did anyone get remember that? I get something out of that. How Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he didn't sin. And how it says, it says in the Bible, um, 
Uh, Hebrews 4.15 said, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So that means he was a man because God can't be tempted. And First John 1, 2-14 says that. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. For God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. And it goes on. So... Makes it really clear um, that Jesus was a man on earth. Um, and yeah, like we said, we can live exactly like Jesus. And I actually found another scripture this last week that says that. So now I know there's at least three places in the Bible. That, and I'll share that. Um, yeah, and then it went through the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. How, how that is... It's a vital part to Christian's life to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's not, if you don't have that, if you haven't experienced that yet, doesn't mean you're not saved. It has nothing to do with salvation going to heaven. It has to do with you being able to walk in the power that God has for us. We all have, we all have the Holy Spirit when we get saved. But the empowering of the Holy Spirit coming on you it does stuff that you just can't do. Like, and yeah, we'll go through that. Um. Yeah, I'm just going to read a few scriptures still. What we read out the other day. Uh, Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you is so that you'll be a witness. You can be a witness of Jesus, of God, of what he's done. You can do what he did. We can walk around and see people that that are sick, and we can pray for them, and they can be healed. We can do everything that Jesus did the same way. And it's, I feel, I feel it's hard to explain. It really just has to be shown. Really, like I don't like really debating with people who don't don't believe it or don't know it. I just want to show. Because that's, you can't dispute that when you pray for someone, they get healed, right? But like, the power of the Holy Spirit is kind of like, without it, you're going to pray for someone. Or, first of all, um, I've heard lost through my Christian walk when I've been sharing testimonies about healings and, and the miraculous in God. People ask all the time, like, oh, why doesn't this happen here? Why don't I ever see it? And one of the first questions I asked was like, Okay, tell me this. How many people have you prayed for to be healed? And it's usually, I haven't. Well, there you go. That's why. I'm like, oh, why doesn't this happen here? It does happen here. People just start whatever excuse they have. They don't know. They don't believe. They're too afraid. They're 
whatever it is. So that's the first thing. We don't see, it says signs and wonders follow those who believe. Okay, let's look at that scripture. So you can see it's not me. Um, that is Mark sixteen seventeen. I'll just read from 15 on Mark 16, 15 says, and then he told them, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. And then it lists them out. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on sick and they will be healed. So this is part of our inheritance as Christians, as sons and daughters of God. Okay? And I love how this is like really absolute. Okay? So especially the last part there said, you will be able, so you will be able to place your hands on the sick and they will be healed. So it's not a question, will they or won't they? Is this God's will? It is God's will, he just said. It's always God's will. It's never this person, oh, they don't have enough faith, or I don't have enough faith, or whatever. Like God's will is for them to be healed. That's it. There's never a reason good enough for them, like, oh, you're not good enough, or I'm not good enough, or you don't know enough of the Bible, or whatever it is. Like it, That has nothing to do with anything. The reason people aren't getting healed around me is because we're not laying hands on them. It says, um, so that you believe. That doesn't mean you're praying for somebody that that person believes. Where? What do you mean? Say. Like, it says, um, these signs will accompany. Signs will accompany those who believe. Yeah. They will cast out demons. Yeah. I'm just saying. You can, we can go on and pray for a non-believer and he'll be healed. Totally, totally. It doesn't mean that that non-believer that he has to or she has to believe first. Yeah, no. They don't we have did. to believe. Because uh, it didn't happen to when Jesus healed people. That's right. He healed just random people. Yeah. No one believed in Jesus when he was around. I, I was just thinking sure. about when you were saying the uh, lepers, he healed the lepers. Yeah. I think he healed us all from the COVID too. Of course. It's, well, it's all done. Like, I don't know why people are afraid. Because they done. don't know the truth. That's all. <coughs> all right. It's, um... Can I read that um, verse 20? Yeah. It says... And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miracle signs. Yeah, miraculous signs. Or, yeah. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. There's another uh, scripture in Isaiah 53, 5. It says, uh, but 
But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. Another translation for that sounds better. Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 5. The New King James, it's, I'm going to read that as a different version. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, so for our sins. But he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We are healed. It's such uh, a thing of, uh, I hear often, like is it is it God's will for everyone to be healed or this person to be healed or us to be healed? Did I do something wrong? Did I open a door or did I sin and not repent or whatever? Is this why this is happening? No. It's the truth of the word of God will set you free. If you know it says and you believe by his stripes, by his whipping and his beating and his death, we are healed. We are healed. We're not trying to be. We're not going to be. We are. So we only can have the, the fruit of that, the reality of that in our life, when we believe. Same thing with getting saved. We get saved first. We believe Jesus first. Then our life gets changed. It's not all of a sudden we're good people. Oh, now I'm going to go to Jesus. It's not how it works. It's the opposite. It said lots. I've heard a lot of people call it the, the opposite kingdom. Everything is the opposite. To be number one, you have to be last. You know, to be a king, you have to be a slave. <laughs> so yeah. So we are healed, and signs and wonders, healing stuff like that comes to those who believe. It says it follows them, it pursues them. And and how do you know that you believe something? How do you how do you know if I say I believe what the Bible says that that I can go lay hands on sick people and they'll be healed? How do I know that I believe that? Because you've seen it. And you do it. Because mm-hmm. you do it. If I just keep saying and keep saying and keep saying, oh, I believe, I believe, I believe. How do I know for myself? How do I know? Because I say stuff and I'm trying to convince myself, or I do what the Bible says. It says in the Bible, don't be heedless listeners. Be active doers. Don't just listen. Don't just come to... It says plainly in the Message Bible, I think that translation says, don't just use these things for your Bible studies. It's exactly what it says. Don't be a heedless listener. Don't just listen, listen. Oh, yeah. We had great Bible study. It's so good. I got so much information. And you do nothing with it. And you just get... It's just... That's... It goes to that a lot in the, the New Testament of the Greeks. That's what they would do. They'd just get knowledge, 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 knowledge. They just want to fill their minds. They'd be great debaters. They could tell you everything about, about the Word of God and what He says, but they didn't live it. It was just knowing. And knowing is useless without doing. It's like faith without works is dead, the Bible says. So that means... Believing something without doing something is worthless. 
How do I know that I believe Jesus, that I believe that he died and rose for me? I live like he lives. And how do I do that? Do I keep trying and trying and trying to live like him? No, no, no. We have to know what the word says. The truth of the word of God sets us free from ourselves, from doing, from the law. Trying to be good, trying to do this, trying to do that. Trying to go out and lay hands on the sick and heal them and this and that. I'm not trying to do that. When I see it, something will happen. If you've heard this for the first time just now, that we can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Next time you see someone, and you see someone with some crutches or something in the grocery store, you're gonna, that's going to pop in your head right away. Oh, what do I believe? Is this scary or what? Am I going to go up to that person or am I going to walk away? That's going to happen. That's going to happen. And if you walk up to that person and, and you just say, hey, can I pray for your leg? And they reject you or spit at you or hurt you or whatever, that would be the greatest testimony for you. Or you could just make some excuse. I got to go when I'm in a hurry and go. And then you have no story and the devil will probably come at you like, oh man, you messed up. You're not even a real Christian. You don't even believe that. I can guarantee you that will happen. It will happen. If you don't do it, don't condemn yourself. Because God says there's no condemnation. God doesn't. God doesn't say these things to force you into doing them to be a better person. You know, you are who He says you are already. Okay? When we were in Australia, the very first time, hmm. I uh, sprained my, actually my foot, and um, it was totally my fault. I was watching my, checking my email walking down the stairs so I missed the last two steps so I stepped down and I sprained my foot and um, I had a very hard time walking and so this one night John was at that time he was he was at our house we uh, just had uh, rented a place there by the by the ocean And, and then Dave Barge which is our nephew, John's cousin. He came over that night, and we were going um, to get a coffee. I don't know how far was it roughly to walk, maybe five minutes or ten. Yeah, like ten blocks or something. Yeah. Something like that. And I and these guys, they were obviously they were just yapping away and talking. I couldn't catch up. And all of a sudden, they realized I'm, I'm behind. Well, it's taking you a long while. I had to rest because of my foot. So when we got back to our place, we were sitting outside by the picnic table. And um, John and, and Dave, they both were, they were praying over my foot. And uh, we were just sitting there. I had my foot up so it didn't swell up anymore. And uh, so Dave, he grabbed my foot. He, he rubbed my foot, my leg, and he prayed. And... And all of a sudden, and he didn't say anything, all of a sudden, I had this heat going into my foot, and it was uh, going up to my knee, and I f- literally felt like somebody was pulling my foot in my in my knee. Like, it, it was the weirdest feeling ever. And uh, 
all of a sudden, Dave asked, what, what's going on? Something going on. He probably saw it or whatever. Just, just something really weird feeling. I never once thought <laughs> that I was healed right here. And, uh, but that was like a warm, unexplainable feeling what I had on my foot. And uh, nobody talked about it anymore. We went to bed and next morning, then uh, Dave Barch, he called and he said, how's your foot? Oh, I had walked already to get a coffee and came back and never even thought about it. I was healed completely from, from that night. So it really does happen. And sometimes we don't even, yeah. Sometimes the little things we don't even think about it, what happened. For instance, when hydro goes out, man, you realize how quickly we need water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You can't do nothing. Yeah, awesome. Um, still going through a little bit what we went through yes, uh, last week, but uh, uh, Acts ten thirty eight. It talks about Jesus, right? It says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So when we, in the kingdom of God, in heaven, when this is all over, is there going to be any sickness? Is there going to be any disease? It's just going to be good, right? Where is it, according to this scripture, where does that come from? God anointed us all. Yeah, God anointed us, but where is the, where is the, like sick person get his sickness from? Oh. Unbelievable. The devil. Suppressed by the devil. Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. It's not just a fluke, whatever. You twisted your ankle. Or you... It's not a coincidence or whatever. If that's not going to happen in the kingdom, that's not what God wants. And in heaven, you're not going to twist your ankle. It's, you won't even need a phone. It's we live in a physical world, but there's a spiritual world around us that is affecting us, and like <coughs> it mostly affects our mind. Like you can see, just turn on the TV and listen to some news, or listen to anyone who doesn't know Jesus. How like totally different our world views are mm-hmm. and it doesn't just happen like it's slowly slowly creeping in over over time and then we end up believing something that we don't know how we started believing it like we watched this movie last week and mom and dad's place that, I don't know if anyone's seen it, The Social Dilemma I started watching it but I haven't finished it yeah it's on Netflix It's it talks about how like Facebook and Google and big tech companies are like they have um, uh, basically these algorithms, these supercomputers for every single person who goes onto Facebook, for example. They 
it's like a, it pictured it as like three people, like orchestrating this person's life. Like if he likes one thing, then everything is gonna go like that. Everything that he likes. If he likes something that's uh, about Jesus, then he's gonna just pump stuff about Jesus to that person, and, and it's subtle and you don't notice it. And then years go on, and that changes your whole life. If it's about Jesus, that's awesome. Then you're just getting flooded with God. But if it's about anything else, anything else, you just get that stuff. You don't even type anything in. The first letter you put in Google search, it has a different result for everybody. Every single person has a dedicated supercomputer for that person so that that person will think a certain way and it's people actually scary yeah and people and companies can pay facebook or google we want to target young men who are 17 to 25 who like sports who look at this type of thing on google who have this much income this and that give them just this then that's the stuff you'll see and then these companies can affect you that way forever like it's just crazy because that keeps popping off popping off mm -hmm. that keeps coming at you so fast and you see it oh, people start believing yeah. but it's, it's subtle it's not like you're a Christian and you see oh worship the devil like that's stupid I don't want that Like, it's going to be just like little things here <coughs> and there like if you're looking through your feed on Facebook or Instagram it'll be like point of a second you'll see one and you flip through it you see, over a year's time, you've seen that for however many hours of your life, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's just subliminal in your head, like, oh, yeah, I see this all the time. What's this about? And whatever. Yeah. Anyways, that's another way the devil can oppress us. And I'm not saying these companies are the devil. I'm saying the devil has <laughs> spiritual... <clears throat> he uses physical things for spiritual purposes, for his purpose to... Yeah. Seal, kill, and destroy. It just reminded me of that. Um, when Jesus is in the building, this is like in the Matthew and all those chapters, and the house was so crowded that they had to like put, they were bringing a, a paralyzed guy mm. on a bed or whatever, and they had to like bring him down because the room was so full. Yeah, through Somehow the roof. Yeah, through the roof. And then what he say? He said, "What he say? He didn't say get up, be healed. He said something else, right? He yeah. said, pick up your mat and walk. Yeah. Is it him? Yeah. Okay. Is that what he said? Okay. Oh, I thought he said something else. Well, let's look it up. Uh, yeah, the one that led through the roof, I think, too, did something else, but uh. Yeah, because he doesn't say healed, right? No. He says. Because he said something about your sins are forgiven. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was thinking. And now this like lines up with that really good. I never thought about that. Like the devil oppressed you through sickness mm -hmm. and stuff. So true. Uh, okay, where's that? Luke, I think it's in Luke. Yeah, and then uh, the magic found Luke when they. Uh, Who gave you power to forgive? Yeah, something like that. And then he said, what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or... Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, it's Luke 5, uh, 18 to 25, something like that. Uh, verse, yeah, Luke five twenty says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. 
But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Mm. Only God can forgive sins. Yeah, um, I just thought that connected it all with that. I never thought of it that way. Not the devil used sickness and mm. had to oppress us so much. Well, then Jesus answered that right away. So Jesus knew that they were, uh, what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you, uh, it's Luke 5, 22. Jesus knew that they were think what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and says, stand, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. So it says all of it. Mm-hmm. So, Luke 5. It starts at 20, 21, 22. Yeah. Well, what did you say there? I'm trying to... That last one? Yeah, that man has the ability to forgive sin? Or how... how... Uh, it's 22. said, so Jesus knew that the, what they were thinking. He asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So he was asking, "Is that, that's a question. He said, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Yeah, that was Jesus, like the Son of Man. Oh, yeah. You know why he called himself the son of man? Because he's a man. He's not saying son of God. That's what the demons called him. Oh, son of God, what do you want with us? And he told him to be quiet. He's saying that. So what do you think? What do you think about that? If you're like Jesus, what do you think? He said, is it easier to forgive sins? Or say you're healed like what's easier it's none of his doing anyways Jesus was a man on earth empowered by the Holy Spirit I, I think just like you can see that someone is sick you can see when someone is ready to receive Jesus not all the time but a lot of times you can see I seen this guy once you should listen to some of his stuff. His name's David Hogan. He's a missionary in Mexico. Been there for ages. I listened to him right when I got saved. And just hours and hours and days of testimonies you can hear. Like the most craziest testimonies you ever heard in your life of what happened. Like this one, he prayed for this this lady. They were on this truck. Uh, oh, I forget what happened. Oh, yeah. And they got into an accident. And I think she lost her leg or her arm. And they prayed for the lady, and boom, an arm grew back right in front of their face. He prayed for this uh, man who had leprosy somewhere out in, in Mexico and somewhere out in the jungle. And they, he said, this man, or they told him to come and pray for this guy. And they went to his village, and he's like, okay, where's this guy I'm supposed to pray for? And, he, and they brought him to this, there's this tarp on the ground. And they took off this tarp, and there's this man like half rotted away. His eyes are gone, fingers are, not his eyes, his nose and 
like skin's falling off, you know, just goop everywhere, just dripping. He's falling apart, dying, leprosy. He said he stuck his, put his hand on his belly. He said it, his hand went in up to his wrist. Just, just pus, right? Leprosy is like apparently highly contagious, you know? He like just laid hands on that guy and he left. You know, he washed himself really good and he left. And it said, I don't know when it was, a little while later, he came back to that village and this guy said, hey, David Hogan, hey, come here. I want to thank you for coming to our village the other day. He's like, oh, thanks. And he's like, oh, who are you? He's like, I'm that man that had leprosy. He's like, no way. He had new hands, new nose, new everything. He was a new person. Even crazier one, this is the craziest one I ever heard from him. He went, later on now, he's like traveling the world and everywhere, uh, preaching and teaching everywhere. But he um, he was preaching in this one place in, I forget the exact location, so forgive me for that, but uh, he was in this one location in America and this lady came up to him, oh, thank you for come, coming to preach in our village on this day. And then he's like, I wasn't there on that day. He's like, yeah, you were. You were there. You prayed for me and this happened and that, that happened. He's like, I was not there. I was at this location at that exact same time. And he's like, no, you were there. And she showed him a video. What? He was there at that same time. And then a little while later, he went to another place and another person came up to him. Like, thank you for coming to our village and praying for us and oh he something like he bought a bunch of lumber for this church or something and and helped them build stuff and he's like I wasn't there I was here like no you weren't here's a video what? he was at three different places at once how does that happen is that anywhere in the Bible I don't know <laughs> but like this guy is being used by God like I don't know why I got into that again. <laughs> it was just amazing, but I listened to a lot of his videos too. David Hogan, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he. I don't know where. What were we talking about before that? I totally blanked. <laughs> um, easier to say. Yeah. Oh, your sins forgiven. Yes. Okay. That's good. Uh, and then uh, when I was in Australia, he was there. He was coming to speak at this one church. And me and my cousin Dave and a couple, a couple of our friends, we went to, went to see him there. He was there for two or three nights. And we went to, went to see him, just sat up front, and he was sitting right here in front of me. And, and we, we just sat there, and he was, he was teaching and telling his testimonies and stuff. And at the end, like, this guy's, like, very intense, like super intense guy, like like in your face, he'll talk like that. He'll talk straight to you, straight to your spirit. And then I seen at the end, like people were coming up to get saved or getting prayed for. And I seen this guy and his mom, they were, they were coming up. And there's this guy, he was like a big like football player guy, right? And his little mom walking beside him and she's just crying, right? Because he's telling people to come up who want to get saved. And, uh, yeah, so he, I seen him walking out like this, and he's just like holding back tears. Like he's just like, like he's a, he's mad and sad, but ready to let go, right? And David Hogan just looks at him, and he says, "Your sins are forgiven." Boom! That guy hits the floor, cries, cries like nothing, like cries so much. 
That's what Jesus did. How did he know that? You can see that guy is ready. What happens when you believe? You become a new person. Your sins are forgiven. You could see that guy believed. He wasn't walking up there for no reason. You could see in his face, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen. Then this guy up there says, your sins are forgiven. Boom. He hits the floor and cries. And his mom cries even louder. Like, Just like, it was the awesomest thing to see. And Yeah, it's not that David Hogan has any more power than any of us. He just knows what the Bible says and he does it. And, yeah, it's very cool. And that's all by the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus. Is it easier to say that? Because people are thinking that's insane, you can't say that, only God can do that. Or is it easier to lay hands on this person and, and say they're healed? Oh, that's insane, only God can do that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. apparently not. <laughs> not according to Jesus, that God on you, can empower you to do that. So, okay, I want to read uh, Philippians 2, verse 5 and 7. It just talks about Jesus being fully God and fully man. Okay? It says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. So that one scripture right there. He was God. He was born as a human being. but he laid down all his his divine privileges, his godly stuff. He laid that all down. How did he do that? I don't know. That's what he did. So he did everything as a human being. (laughs) And then scripture we talked about uh, lots last week, 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. Or another translation says, the word of God is not about talk, it's about power. <clears throat> we just think about that, and I just think about that, how I, before I actually got saved, and I went to church, went to youth groups, and I don't know, probably thought I was a Christian in some, in some way, I believed in God, that's what I would tell people. How it's had nothing to do about power. No one talked about power. It was just doing religious things. Going to a building on Sunday, praying at a meal, praying when I go to bed, trying to be a good person. When the Bible says it's not about that, it's not about talk, it's not about words. It obviously is something to do with about words. He's he's talking words while he's preaching this. So it has something to do with that. But it's about power. It's not just talking. You can't really confuse that with something like, it's not just, you don't just talk. Like, you can't convince someone to be a Christian. It's the Holy Spirit. Like, God chooses us. It says we can't come to God unless God chooses us. Isn't that crazy? So if you're going after God, if you want to, 
if you're if you're going after things of God, like you've been chosen, because you can't do it otherwise. Like you won't do it. You won't want to do it, and so on. So that can make you just so excited. You My, can, you can just tell that from people who don't want to hear nothing about God. But you think that same person who doesn't want to know anything about God could be next week or ten years from now. All of a sudden, he's in love with Jesus. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you can't judge people where they're at. No. Like that's just amazing like god chooses you at a specific time at the end of everything we're gonna see how it all worked out billions of people god had specifically planned on this time this date this is why you got saved then this is why you were here at this place you can't even imagine it in verse 13 it says for god is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him (laughs) there you go God gives you the power. Okay, where is that? That's in Philippians two Um, I'll go to Romans 8. Uh, I'm going to read from verse 1 down to 17. Uh, First, I'm going to explain the first verse a little bit. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Does everyone understand what that means? If anyone doesn't understand, I'm going to explain it right now. So a condemnation, the definition for that, that's like a word that we don't really use nowadays, right? That's not in our normal language. Condemnation is, this is the definition, the action of condemning someone to punishment or sentencing. So like in a, in a courtroom, that person's condemned to die. He's sentenced to jail. It's the same thing. The action of condemning someone to punishment or sentencing. So now there is no action for punishment for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ Jesus, we're not waiting for a judgment day that maybe I'm not good enough and he's going to condemn me. Maybe I didn't do something. Maybe I missed something. It has nothing to do with you. You can be excited, totally free. You're not going to be at that judgment. You're going to be at the judgment. Oh, man, like going into something way big here. but like, <laughs> and You're going to go into a separate judgment on your rewards. It talks, if you just read through the Bible and see where God talks about rewarding you, it's like it's his pleasure to reward us. Like It's his idea. It's his idea. So that's what we're going to we're going to go into this judgment. Like, how much of a reward are you going to get? That's what we're going to get. It's all good. You're getting rewards. Depends. Did you... Like, faith without works is dead. We're called to do good works. After we're saved, we're good, we're saved. We know we're good, we know we're saved. Now let's do good. 
And just because you do good doesn't mean you're better or whatever. It's like, how much are you, how much are we going to do what Jesus said? Deny ourself, the self-life that's sinful stuff. How much are we going to deny that and not look for our own needs and own stuff and love others first? So based on that stuff, God's going to... He's not going to ask questions. He's going to show you. This is what you believed. Come here, my good and faithful servant. I've gave you 10. You made 20. Come and enjoy my kingdom. You know, that's what he's going to say. It's all good. It's all good stuff. Or he can be that one guy. It's like, oh, you gave me this and I buried it. He's like, you wicked servant. Why didn't you at least put it in the bank so I could get interest? Like, that's what he's... Well, you won't be in that line if you're saved, but... I heard a crazy one yesterday from this one pastor. This one, and he said that this person was a billionaire or something. He learned to live on 10%. Yeah. He could be supposed to give 10% to God. He lived on, on 10%, give 90% of his income away. On 10%, he was, that's what he was doing he took it just the opposite. And I heard a different person saying that one time too. Um, you give away according to how big you want your 90% to be. But again, we're not doing that to to get. We don't have to do that. It's like, that's good. Yeah. That's a good way to live. Mm-hmm. It's very good. But if you're doing it to get something... You miss the point because you already have. Oh yeah, no, I I know, but yeah. <coughs> but he did also explain. Always have your hands open, mm. and he explained he explained what that meant. He said, having your, having your hands in your pocket and clothes, you never give God a chance to give you something, and you are so tight with your money you don't want to give, nobody any. He said, open your hand towards a poor person, whatever. While your hand is open, you are able to receive what God has for you. He said, that will never fail. If you will um, give to what a needy, you will receive it back, even if you know it or not. But that doesn't have anything to do with money. No, like- no. Like, True. if you give a hundred bucks, yeah, it doesn't mean God's going to give you a hundred bucks. No, 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 no. Like, that's, that's a doctrine that goes around and people are like, oh, you got, you got to give to the church and God will give back to you. Yeah. That's what no. criminals do. Okay? <laughs> that's what criminals do. But this guy wasn't talking about that way. That's, that's good, so. True. Just want to make that clear. Like, that's, mm-hmm. you never have to give in order to, if, if you do something for the purpose of getting something back. You missed the point. Yeah, that's true. You should never give to the church or to anywhere. Because God says, if you give... He said, He says in the Bible, test me. Get, if you give into the storehouse, I'll give you ten times, a hundred times that back. If you're living by that one scripture and giving just so you could get, you missed the point. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Yeah, exactly. If you give... You will get. Who knows where, who knows when. 
Or which way? Or who knows which way. But it's not to get because the Bible says that you have all you need already. And what you need is far more than you actually need. Because you know that you need eternal life. You need forgiveness. You need power. You need all this stuff. Most people have no idea what they actually have. And that's what they need. So, yeah. Anyway, so that condemnation, that first verse. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Is that is that like crystal clear to everybody? So condemnation is the action of condemning someone to punishment. So you will never be condemned. You will never be punished. According to that scripture right there. Because Jesus took that away. Because you belong to Christ Jesus. All right. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared the end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus was a sacrifice for our sins. Okay? He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Uh, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. That's why those who are still under control of the sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Uh, where's it going to be? Just 17. Okay. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Hear that? So the Spirit lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we can call him Abba Father. For the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. 
Okay, so that has a lot, lot in there. There's one thing I really wanted to pick out of there was verse 15. So, th thinking of yourself, just think of yourself right now, and and tell me if this lines up for you. Okay. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit. And when he adopted you as his children, now we call him Abba Father. That last part, it says, now you call him Abba Father. It basically is talking about intimacy. You call him Daddy. It's my Daddy. He's, he's mine, like really intimate. You know, like a child talks to his dad. Like a little kid's not going to call his dad Father. Hey, Father. Maybe back in the day they did, but it's talking about intimacy there, you know? And regardless of how we are feeling, it says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Other translations say, for the spirit, oh, it's amplified, for the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more into bondage of fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. So we're not slaves and we're not afraid. You don't have a spirit of fear. That's one. It just makes me think of the world right now. Like, they're so scared of fear. Yeah. Fear creeps in. Fear creeps into people. I mean, like, this whole, this whole COVID thing, for the most part, the, like, church buildings with people in them, they, they're not afraid of COVID, okay? But what they are afraid of is fines from the government. Yeah, that's true. Still fear, it's still it's still producing the same purpose. Mm -hmm. We have a choice. We have a choice. Like this, technically, what we're doing here is illegal. Yeah. Right. According to men. According to men. Yeah, yeah. It's an underground church right here. You know, I just can't help it, but I think about it all the time. See what happened when they, uh, they killed Jesus. They let the criminals go free and kill Jesus. It happened right now all over the place. They arrested a guy yesterday for opening up his restaurant. They sent dozens of police officers and they arrested him. And this uh, pastor from Elmer, from the God Church there, were protesting. They came and served him at the ticket. He's charged. And they were, uh, there was people raising money for him for going to court, I think, in February or whatever his court day is. In an hour or whatever, they were trying to raise $10,000. That, that was for... Oh, the, oh yeah, that was for the restaurant guy in Toronto. They were trying to raise $10,000 for his court day. In less than an hour or whatever, they had raised a hundred thousand dollars for it. Yeah. And just the guy, probably desperate to make his living, to bring food on the table. That's what happened right now. Can someone read Second uh, Timothy one seven? 
performance hebben. Ja. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Can someone can you read that in uh, New King James version? <coughs> God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. That's an NLT. Um, Timothy 1, 2. 2. Timothy 1, verse 7. In the New King James Version, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So self-discipline and a sound mind. So a sound mind means like a clear mind. Like you're clear. You know what you're thinking. Okay? I want to bring that up in light of that last scripture we read. That it's, uh, you don't know, not have this, uh, not received a spirit makes you fearful slaves. Instead you have a spirit of adoption. So yeah, we do not have a spirit of fear or timidity, okay? So if we fear, or if we feel fear or timidity, means to be timid, to be shy. That's what that means. That's not us. We don't actually have that. If we're feeling that, it's not true. That's why you can see people who are just... People are bold. People are courageous. People like, for example, who who here likes public speaking? Right? If you do it long enough, that won't, won't be a thing anymore. You won't be afraid anymore. And if you know that God said, like, this is not your spirit. So he's saying that is a spirit. Right? I haven't given you this spirit. I've given you this spirit. Doesn't mean you're demon possessed. <laughs> okay? It means that this this feeling, those are feelings. Way, ways that are like changing the way that we act, right? I'm afraid to go talk to this person. I'm shy, so I'm not going to speak. This and that. That's not the spirit that God has actually given us. He's given you one of love that never thinks of yourself. Power. Lay hands on the sick, see them recover, cast out demons, all this stuff, like ridiculous things that most people think only God can do. In a sound mind, where you know that you know that you know what God says. Or self-discipline, same thing. You know what the Bible says. You walk in love that's not about you. I'm not going to not pray for this person because I feel scared. Or who knows what they'll say. Maybe they'll punch me. Maybe they'll reject me. Maybe they'll just say yeah, I'm a weirdo. Maybe my reputation will be gone. Maybe, 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 maybe. 
fear is a crazy thing. Fear can only happen in the future of something that it might never happen. Okay? Fear is irrational. It's not like it's crazy. What was that quote that I had? It was really good. It's like having fear is like it's being insane because you're thinking of something that could possibly never happen in the future. It has nothing to do with right now. And it's only a maybe. And it usually never comes true. <laughs> you know? It usually never comes true. Fear and worrying is kind of the same, right? Oh, yeah. Worry worry is linked in there for sure. You know how many times in the Bible God says, don't worry? I don't know either, but it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. (coughs) Don't worry, dude. I've heard it says in there 365 times, don't worry. But I don't know that for sure. I never looked that up. Because worrying is saying, worrying is just meditating. You're just thinking about something all the time that might never happen. Yeah. Being being scared and worrying about things, I heard a saying, something like 99% of the time, probably never will happen. Mm. Like fear, I mean, like danger is real. Okay? There are things that, but you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think the worst. You know, it's real and it's good to be in the moment, right? Like, for example, like back in the day when they were building uh, like the Golden Gate Bridge or whatever, like hundreds of, I don't know, I think it was hundreds of people died because they were just walking way up there in beams and stuff. Like, that's very dangerous, right? Those people, I don't think many of them had fear. They're walking up there. How, how many not. how many kilometers up in the air with no ropes, no nothing? Those guys, like, they weren't afraid or else they wouldn't be up there. Didn't matter how much you pay me to do that. I'd never do that. You know? They knew it was dangerous. And they did it anyways. Same with this. Same with living by the Spirit. It can be dangerous. If we do this Bible study... And the cops come, we could go to jail. <laughs> Give us fines or whatever. You know? That's a little thing. In my eyes, that's nothing. But if I pray for someone, he could call me a weirdo. He could reject me totally. And that's the worst thing that for most people in their heads. If I go to this stranger and I say something and I stumble over my words, like, oh, this is stupid or whatever, can I pray for you? And like, what? Get away from me, you weirdo. That, like, never happens. <laughs> it might happen once in a while actually I won't say never but it's rare that that happens yeah. usually people would be like oh yeah thank you yeah I was watching a video the other day where a guy was saying that was that John that said that <coughs> for 95% of the time that people accept accept when you ask them if you want to pray for them yeah that was John mm-hmm. that said that the other day when he was up there or not the Bible study yeah yeah like people yeah yeah they always they usually want it and if they don't that's fine Uh, I remember one time walking I was in Australia I was walking home 
somewhere and seen this guy on the sidewalk. He was, he was limping, carrying his groceries to his house. And I walked past him and I like, oh, just turned around. I'm like, hey, hey, I was just wondering if I could pray for you. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a hurry. Like, it'll only take one second. It's like, no, 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 that, that's fine. I'm like, dude, I just want to pray for you. One second, God can heal your leg. He's like, no, I don't want it. And walked away. I'm like, okay, cool. Doesn't matter. I had nothing to do with me. I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about this guy. I want to help this guy. He rejected me. That's has nothing to do with me. I'm not going to feel bad. I'm not going to feel like anything. So. Frankie did, um, when he was, before he was married, we were in London Christmas shopping for, I think it was for Maria's wedding. Yeah. And anyways, we went there and, uh, this um, men's store where Maria bought all, uh, where everybody bought the suits there for, for Maria's wedding. And uh, this guy had his arm in a sling and Frank goes up to him, can't pray for you? He's looking around, pray for me? He's looking around. Oh, yeah, sure, sure you can. And, uh, okay, Frank says, I'll pray right here. Here? Yeah, right here. Okay. Finally, he, okay, well... And Frank prayed for him, and uh, and Frank said, "Well, can you take your arm out of your sling?" Oh, I I'd rather not because my um, whatever said uh, don't do anything with it. But Frank said, "Just try it, just try it." I pretty sure it's you're healed, but he never did. So a couple of days later, when we went and picked up the suits, he had his arm out of his sling, but he did go the other way, so we couldn't talk to him. <laughs> so yeah the Holy Spirit power and you have a spirit that is from God and it's love power and sound mind I always just say love power right love power sound love mind power. self self discipline what is love power we're we're being like Jesus we're walking in love and that's the power that changes everything like Jesus love that's the reason he died on the cross for us because he loved us not because we were horrible sinners that's what I thought when I was younger like Jesus died because I'm a horrible sinner and he just had to die for some reason you know it's not true he died because we sinned so that he could restore us back to being sons and daughters of God so that we could be in right standing with God again because we couldn't do it by ourselves I just want to go through uh, there's a handful of scriptures here on different people in the Old Testament who the Holy Spirit came upon them okay um, I'll just read them out yeah I'll, I'll just start uh, first Mary you know Jesus mom and now uh, Luke 1 35 says the angel replied the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you so the body no so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of god right uh and then john the baptist it's another one luke 1 15 oh, I've, got the scripture for that one but uh 
Okay, John, uh, Luke one fifteen says, For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. In this scripture, I'm, there's just a lot of them here, it's talking about how this is possible. Okay, It's Matthew 21, 32. It says, For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. So John came in the way of righteousness. Okay, So he was righteous. And now let's look at John's family. Let's look at his mom and his dad. Elizabeth says in Luke one forty one, says, At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Luke 1, 6 says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. And Zechariah's in Luke 1, 67 says, Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Sorry, prophesying. So all these guys were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on them. Thank you. And how could that happen? Jesus hadn't died and rose again yet. And... Isn't that interesting? Do you remember that uh, Abraham was called righteous? Right? He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So this... They believe God and it was credited to them as righteousness, just like Abraham. Um, can someone read out for me Romans 8, 29 to 30? Two verses. Romans 8, what? 29 to 30. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. That was the other scripture that I saying that I found. He chose to be like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters, and have chosen them. He called them to come to him and have... Uh, have called them, he gave them right standing with himself, and have given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So, right standing, being right with God, righteousness, it's all the same thing. Okay? If you look through those scriptures I just read later on, it's about John and, and Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah and Abraham, a bunch of them. It says they were right with God or righteous or in right standing. It all means the same thing. And this here, this verse mom just read, is talking about us. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. 
who was a man. Okay? So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You know, remember John 3.16? He was the only begotten son. Now, he's the firstborn because we're all born again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, he's not the only begotten son anymore. He's the firstborn among many. All right? And having chosen them, he called them to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Do you see how this is all in the past? He called them to him. And having called them, having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So the reason the Holy Spirit could fall on those guys before Jesus was even there is because of righteousness. And what was it back before Jesus was there? They believed God. They believed God the Father and what he said. And there was only, there wasn't many people in the Old Testament that were righteous. There was a handful. That's the people of Israel, Jesus' line, right? And now we all have that, that ability, that chance, you know? God chooses us, just like it says that he, he chose us. Right standing. So that is, <coughs> having right standing with God is the reason that we can have anything in Christ. Like that was what we just said. Jesus didn't die on the cross because I was a horrible sinner. He didn't do that. That's not why. Why? How much? If if there was a um, your dad, your boat truck. If I try to sell you your boat truck, and if it was mine, how, how much would you pay for it? How much I would pay for the boat truck? Yeah. If you were trying to sell me it? Yeah. Oh, what's it worth? Well, what's it worth? My boat trucks are maybe a thousand bucks at the moment. Okay, maybe a thousand bucks, okay. And if I wanted to sell you a Lamborghini? And, and you had the money, how much would you pay for that? Hmm. $100,000. Yeah, hundred hundred grand more. Let's, let's get real. <laughs> so, so if Jesus bought us with the price of his life, do you think that we are some cheap little truck? Is that worth dying for? Or are we infinitely valuable? You can't even put a price on it. And that God himself has to die. And wants to die. And it says it was his joy to do so. That's why Jesus died. Because we were lost sons and daughters. You know that... that uh, uh, was it the parable of the lost son? Uh, what's what's it called? You know, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Um. Oh, what's it called? Mm -hmm. The prodigal son. Yeah, the prodigal son. <laughs> the prodigal son is the same thing. That is the story of us. The story of salvation. Jesus died because 
We were lost sons. He was that prodigal son was lost. He took everything that he that was that he had coming to him, and he left his father's house, and he spent it all on evil living and selfish living. He ended up living in a, a pig pen, eating with the pigs. Mm-hmm. He said, "Oh, if I can go home, at least my dad will be a, take me as a slave. At least I'll have food and shelter." What happens? He comes back home. He's not even home yet. And his dad sees him, and he goes running down the street and hugs him. And he said, oh, dad, this and that. It's like, he doesn't even let him talk. Get him the robe. Get him the ring. Give him this. It's, let's, let's kill the fattened calf. You know, this my son has returned. This is what Jesus dead. is talking he, about. He was alive, huh? Yeah, he was dead. He was lost, and now he's found. Yeah. So <clears throat> Jesus did that for us. We are lost sons and daughters. And he died the most horrible death, the most perfect person ever in history. He's perfect in every way, good in every way, died a sinner's death, a murderer's death on the cross. Because I was a lost son, and he wanted to restore my sonship. I wasn't right with God. I couldn't be right with God. I couldn't make myself right with God. There's nothing that I could do to make myself right with God. And he died for me because I sinned, because I was a lost son. And then what we just read, he adopted us as his sons and daughters. We became sons and daughters of God, and we were in right standing with God. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So we are right, righteous because of what Jesus did. We are in right standing with God. We are sons and daughters of God. Because of nothing we did. We did everything bad. Righteousness and right standing is not, is not a, like what you deserve. It is it's making something that is wrong right. So I was wrong. I did everything bad. And God's just like, that doesn't matter anymore. Here you go. I love you this much. That that doesn't matter. I'm wiping it away. And that's what, if we can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help people to see that. The Spirit will reveal that to, like how I got saved. Like that's what happened. That's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes on you. And I was saved. And then all of a sudden I could see this, like I would, when I said, God, my life sucks. Give me your life. I was transformed into a new person. And all of a sudden I cried all the time because not because I was sad, because I was really, really happy. Well, actually I was really sad too, because all the bad things that I did and I, to people, and I had to just say sorry to person after person after person and make things right because it was just this compassion inside of me, like changed everything. And that was I be- me becoming a witness of Jesus. I'm doing what Jesus did for me. I'm forgiving people of their sins against me. I'm loving them. I'm, I know that what I did was wrong, and I'm going this way. And what Jesus did, he made things that was wrong, which was me. He made me right all of a sudden. 
just because I believed him. I didn't become good first. I just believe him. And, oh, it's a good day. And it's still good. Um, and there's another scripture in Acts 13, 39. It says, everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses could never do. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Then there's another one. That was uh, Acts 13, 39. And then uh, Romans 4, 25 says the same thing. He said, he, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. <laughs> because of our sins, not because I'm a sinner. We're not sinners anymore. We're saints now. Right? He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. All of a sudden we became right with God. That's just awesome. Mm -hmm. That was Romans 4.25. And I'm just going to read as well Romans 3, 19 to 28. It says, Obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty from before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law sim simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law, it is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith, not by obeying the law. A lot of times in there it talks about being right and being made right, and we're right, and we're right, and we're right. Not because of anything that we did or could do or anything. Ah, it's just, just good news, isn't it? It is. Mm -hmm. Mm. Man. 
so much more I gotta go through. <laughs> and he declares sinful because he doesn't want to be right and his choice and they believe Jesus. So let me ask you this. If he declares sinners to be right or righteous, are you a sinner or are you righteous? Righteous. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's, it's not a trick not a trick question. Yeah, <laughs> but people think that all the time. I know a lot of Christians think, "Oh, I'm still a sinner. I'm still a sinner." Like you, sinners don't go to heaven. That's very plain and simple. Sinners go to hell. Like they go to the bad place because that's who they are. That's once you're set free, you're set free. You're not. Oh, I am a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. You're not a sinner if you're saved by grace. Yeah. You were a sinner. Now you're saved by grace. It really bothers me when, when people say, for instance, I am an alcoholic. I'm saved by God. Then you're not an alcoholic anymore. Well, that's just thing. People, you are what you believe you are. Yeah. Or you act the way that you believe you are. That's you aren't. Same yeah, thing as I, I heard too. Like, what you say, that's what you will become, right? And it's, that's... The more you say it, the more it becomes like that, right? Your belief, like, creates you. Like, it's not a good way to say it, but what you believe will... Be revealed in your life mm-hmm. good or bad if you think you're a sinner and you confess you're a sinner you'll be sinning for sure if you get a hold of the word of God and hear that it says I'm right with God I have a spirit of love power and a sound mind not fear and timidity and if I'm believing that and therefore walking it out that's what I become in 22, it says that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Who, who be, yeah, who believes no matter who we are. Yeah. So I, I just want to make that clear, what I just said. That if God says that I am something... I can't do something to, to become that. I just, I just am that. Right? Mm. If I believe that, that means that I will walk it out. And my life will reveal that. If I'm a Christian and I believe I'm a sinner, it's not true. God says that I'm righteous. But because I believe that, I will produce the fruit of a sinner. Okay? My life will re- reveal that of a sinner. And then Christians get confused. But it says in the Bible that I'm righteous. It says that I won't sin. But I'm sinning all the time. Does that mean I'm a bad tree and I produce bad fruit and all this stuff? No, it's because you, you have a belief that is not true. You don't know what the, what the word says. You only know some scriptures. Yeah, I want to kind of get back on track the Holy Spirit here. We only have a little bit longer, but 
Um, so all this stuff, Jesus is a man. He was a man on earth. He was fully God. He was fully man. The Holy Spirit came on him in power. Okay, the Holy Spirit came on people in power in the Old Testament because they were righteous. They were right with God, not because of what they did, because they believed God. That's it. Very simple. They didn't do any great things. Well, they did do great things when they believed. Right? That's how they showed that they believed. So this power coming upon you is something that every single Christian can have. Every single Christian can have it. We went through this a uh, couple weeks. Yeah, I don't know how long ago. The Holy Spirit. That's on the. Le- it's not always, but the laying on of hands, you receive the Holy Spirit. And in every circumstance, in every scripture that I see in the Bible, the evidence of that was speaking in tongues and prophesying. If you've been laid hands on for the power of the Holy Spirit to come on you and you haven't spoken tongues, that doesn't mean you don't have it. It means that you haven't expressed that yet. It's in you. You have it. You just got to let it happen. The Holy Spirit will not force you to say anything. He's not a, a slave driver that forces you to do anything. God doesn't do that. Love, love or God is patient and gentle, and kind, not self-seeking. He lets you do what he says. Like you, We are required to speak that out. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability. We have to do it. And if we know that we don't have the spirit of fear or timidity, we're not timid, we're not shy, if we walk this out, I think I said it the other the other week. If if I poured gas on you and lit a match, you'd be on fire. What would you be thinking about? Would you care what I thought about you? Would you care what someone else thinks about? You'd just be thinking about get me out of here. Get get some water. Where how do I get this fire up? You'd be screaming. You're not thinking about anyone else but yourself in that moment, right? When you're on fire for God. When you could care less what happens to you or your life or your reputation or anything. That's a place of power. Where all of a sudden nothing matters but you and God. I don't care if that's here amongst people or, or by yourself in your room. I kind of prefer to be by yourself in your room. Just like your story the other day. That is... You made a choice to spend time with God. I don't care what, I don't know this, so I'm going to come to you and figure it out, or whatever it is. The Bible says this, I'm going to have it. i got to have it. Once you get that on you, like, I just want to be really clear. The Holy Spirit, if you've been laid hands on, for the Holy Spirit to come upon you in fire... Tongues and prophecy and all the other gifts are there. You just got to start using them. And sometimes people, the reason I'm like staying on this is because for some people it's hard. It's hard to get to that point. It doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit. For a lot of people, I find that they're thinking, 
that, okay, you're laying the hands on me, it says I'll speak in tongues, nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah, it says you will speak. You will speak, not the Spirit is going to speak for you. The Spirit's not going to speak. You're going to speak. And you just start speaking. Speak English, speak Spanish, speak whatever you want, and then keep speaking. It's not something that you can explain. No one's going to be able to explain it to you. It just happens. The Spirit's in you. And then the Spirit is on you. And that power is there. There's so many places. Um, the story of Simon the Sorcerer. He's seen the disciples uh, laying hands on people and receiving the Holy Spirit. And he said he was amazed. And he offered the money. Give me money. I'll give you this money to give me the power to do that. Why was he amazed? Why do you think he was amazed? By laying hands on If I lay hands on mom for the receive the Holy Spirit, and she doesn't, she's like, oh, thank you. That's not amazing. Yeah, nobody wants to pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> if all of a sudden, someone's going around touching people, and they're just speaking in new languages, that's blowing people's minds. In this story of Simon Sorcerer, like he used to be the big guy in town. Like he used to be the sorcerer, had all the power, and he had a following, and people called, called him God. And then it says he got saved. And then he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. But then he had a he had a twisted motive there. Like, I want this. And he's like, You can't buy God's gift, your heart's all wrong. What are you doing? Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. That's Luke ten nineteen. As for everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... <coughs> How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's Luke eleven ten thirteen. 13. I'm just going to rush through a bunch of scriptures here just talking about that. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. It's 1 Corinthians 14, 39. This story about Paul it says when, uh, who went to Saul, of Tarsus soon. It's talking about the story of Ananias, sorry, and and Paul, or Saul at the time. So when Saul of Tarsus soon to be called Paul, and laid hands on him that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Ananias, for one, he was he was not an apostle. That's why I'm bringing this up. That story. And most of the other places in the Bible, it's one of the apostles laying hands on, on someone and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. This one is Saul. He's on the road to Damascus. He sees Jesus. He goes blind. And God says, go to this town. And God gives his vision to Ananias. They go on to pray for Saul. And uh, Ananias is just a, a normal guy. A guy that loves, loves God. But he's not, a, not an apostle. So it's not just for the old times. It's not just the apostles, it's not just those 12, it's not just the people that were physically with Jesus at that time. I believe that's why uh, one of the reasons that God put this in the Bible 
this guy that loves Jesus said, go over there and, and pray for him and he will receive his sight and then he, and then he received the Holy Spirit. It doesn't even say that, Jesus, that Paul spoke in tongues in that scripture. But Paul does say later on, I speak in tongues more than anyone. And I wish that you would all speak in tongues. So in saying all this, I want to pray for everyone and anyone who hasn't had the power of the Holy Spirit come on them and we're going to have it. That's my desire. Just think of this. If God is standing here in this room today, which he is, and holding out his hand, I want to give you this gift <coughs> to empower you. What would you do? Would you take it or would you be honest? I'm afraid. <laughs> God is standing here in this room right now. I can totally feel him. I don't know about you guys, but <coughs> So if anyone wants to, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm going to pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit and power.